What's going on, Tony? Jerry, what is popping, sir? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being back. We really appreciate you coming back. Yeah, man. I'm happy to be here. And I don't know how it is um, over on, on your side of the, the country, but it's a beautiful day out where I am today. And it's it's got me in a good mood. That's always good. Yeah, the weather's been pretty good. I, I really have to say today's been a really good day. And happy Labor Day to you as well. Oh, you too. I don't know if we're classifying this as work, man, but we're not... We're not abiding in Labor Day right now. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> That's always a good thing. We can kind of take a break away. But we're so glad, like I said, to have you back. And I wanted to kind of do a recap. So for if this is the first time anyone is hearing this interview with, uh, from Tony, this is Tony Ellis Martinez. And we, he did a previous episode with me. And we kind of talked about him being on TikTok and his career. Mm-hmm. So today I thought it would be a really good opportunity for us to kind of learn more about Tony, his upbringing, um, what kind of led him into his career today. And then we're going to kind of just kind of talk freely about um, just life in general. And I thought it'd be a really good opportunity for us to get to know Tony. Yeah, well, thank you for, again, thanks for having me here, Jerry. And um, yeah, my, my back my backstory isn't really too um, different from a lot of the people I look up to. Um, one of my biggest mentors being Patrick Beth David. Um, Patrick Beth David was, you know, he was an immigrant. His, his, him and his family grew up in, I believe it was Iran, and they had to leave as refugees from their country just from all of the, the warfare that was going on there, and they were in constant danger. Um, and Patrick's, you know, parents brought him to America, brought him and his siblings to America, and Patrick really didn't take anything for granted. He didn't take, you know, his freedoms and his liberty for granted after leaving, you know, what was such a basically, you know, a harmful country to even be in. And he just worked his tail off. He busted his butt. And yeah, I, I I look up to him because I really do think that we have similar stories in a sense where we didn't know immediately that we had to work our butts off to make it. And, uh, you know, you know, just like Patrick, you know, I grew up throughout high school and I was kind of just like I was a knucklehead. You know what I mean? Like my my parents, they, you know, they tried to raise me to the best of their ability. But my, you know, my, you know, I was just a knucklehead, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to like <laughs> how to be, you know, more more detailed about it without, you mm-hmm. know, going into anything. But yeah, man, my 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 grandparents came over came my great grandparents came over to America. My my mom's side of the family is from Sicily. Um my dad's side of the family is from Puerto Rico. And um, you know, my parents just kinda like made you know, ended up crossing paths. But um my my grandfather on my mom's side um probably had the most most influence on on my my life and my family's life and um he was he was an entrepreneur so i got a lot of my entrepreneurial spirit genetically you know passed down from from his side and um the poor guy i mean his his dreams and his goals his aspirations and his desires they align with mine i you know i want to experience everything i want to meet everyone i want to you know achieve greatness and this poor guy i mean he's had so many ups and downs and when I was growing up as, you know, as, as a kid, um, you know, I was, I grew up in his down, which ended up, you know, I was brought into this lifestyle where if I was born like 10, 10 years earlier, you know, I would have had this lavish lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like I would have, I would have been, I would have, I might've been spoiled, you know, Uh if I think about it, but because I, you know, my mom had me at a point where, um, it was a combination of just like, you know, his, his career was in a downward path. Um, and there was, there was, you know, one of my, 
one of his sons, my mom's brother, my uncle, um, and his wife went through, you know, serious, serious, hard, hard time. And, and his wife ended up passing away. And in support of her while, you know, she was fighting cancer, you know, all, fi- all finances were being like pushed into her and keeping her alive um, and bless her soul. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, I was I grew up, so to speak. And I say all this to say, you know, you always think about someone's success and you think about how someone gets off on the right foot in life. And it's usually all financial. Um, you think, you know, if you grow up in a financially stable household, then everything else pretty much sets, you know, sets you up for success. It's not always the case, but I just, you know, to put that off the, off the bat, because I'm for so long, I've, I've been so, you know, hungry to get financially stable and to be financially free, be financially independent, because I grew up in a lifestyle that was the opposite of that. I grew up in a family that, you know, food was, you know, we never missed a meal, but, you know, sometimes our meals were, were slices of bread. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, I, Tony, yeah, I know like, that experience. Yeah, I know bro. That really yeah. well. <laughs> so it's like, it's not like, I'm not going to say that my parents didn't take care of me and that we didn't have anything, but there were, there were points in our life where it was, it was a struggle. And, um, it was all just timing and my parents, I love my parents, um, but, you know, they they weren't able to really, you know, after they had myself and after they had my older sister, me, um, I have three siblings. So my older sister, myself and my two younger sisters, it was really just like they were trying to autopilot. They were working their butts off so that they could afford, you know, make, you know, just afford life. And, um, you know, while they were busting their butts to afford everything, they weren't around. So that made me into the knucklehead I was because I really didn't have any role models. I didn't have any figures leading the way. Um, so I kind of, you know, I, you know, I, I was a knucklehead, man. I sat, I hung out with friends. I sat around and played video games. I had no aspirations, no inspirations, um, nothing, no drive, no motivation. It was literally, I was just on autopilot. I was just doing the, uh, the motions. And socially, I, you know, I was influenced heavily socially. Um, because that was really the only time and that was only the only thing in my life that I had going for me. So I'd go to school, even in elementary school, I'd go to school and I'd come home and do schoolwork or just like do whatever. But we weren't really heavily family oriented in my house, which is just an amazing testament to God because he's completely 180 that, you know, from, from then to today. And I think he did it through me. I'll, I'll talk about that a little later, but I'm pretty sure he used me to bring my family together. And now it's like, you know, we, we eat meals together regularly. If it's not, you know, a couple times a week, at least it's once a week or, or at least once a week, you know what I mean? So it's like, we're, we're together, we're working together. We're there for each other. We're consoling each other. We're bonding. We're being what an actual family should be. And that's a, a support system who loves each other. And that was completely absent in the past. So, um, but yeah, man, growing up, um, for myself personally, it was like, I had this family that, you know, my parents were busting their butts. My sisters were doing their own things and I was the only guy. So I didn't really relate to my sisters that much. And so I kind of just like hung around my friends. Um, I sat, I sat on, I sat on, you know, the computer, I sat on, you know, my game console Shout out to all my Halo 3 players that <laughs> I grew up and bonded with. But that was, you know, that was it. And then it wasn't until like high school that things started, you know, there were a couple, there were a couple of big like things that happened to me in my life that, that started like shaping me negatively. And I say that to, you know, just share that I'm going to share some negative, you know, experiences so that, you know, hopefully if there's anyone else listening today, 
um, that may be going through a really negative, negative, you know, thing in their life just to know, like there, there's always the light at the end of the tunnel. There's always the bright side after you, you know, you, you get through something. So to keep your chin up as well. Um, but you know, big negative things, I won't go into detail with everything, but big negative setbacks in my life is, um, like the, you know, some of the, the biggest ones was, um, you know, even as early as elementary school, for some reason, I just kept, I kept being like, you know, in the crosshairs of getting in trouble for things I wasn't even responsible for. And that's just stuff is like, you know, dumb kids in, in my class, you know, tattling on me for doing things that didn't even make sense that that were complete lies um uh getting in trouble just you know for things i said for things i did it was just really stupid stuff that really had no merit and um it really it made me feel like growing up as this kid like am i a bad guy what's going on here like why did why why do i keep getting in trouble it started shifting and shaping the way that i thought people looked at me and so you don't, I don't really think about it too much because, you know, it was a really long time, long, it was a very long time ago, but you know, the end of fourth, it was the end of elementary school. Like you're, you're a kid, you basically have nothing to worry about except like learning and eating and going, you know what I mean? Like you think of a fourth mm-hmm. grader, you don't think of them having an existential crisis, but here I was in fourth grade and I got pulled out of school because so many things just kept happening. And I started, um, you know, seeing like a, like a family or, you know, a child therapist. And it was, it was kind of traumatizing. I have to go go into this room with this adult and talk about like my feelings and all this stuff. And I basically just like shut them out. And I'm like recollecting as, as I'm talking about it now, but it was just a weird experience. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, I jumped back into the school system, um, a year later in hopes that, you know, I could kind of get plugged in and, and, you know, get back into the swing of things. And I did. And for the most part, you know, things were going okay. And a really, really, really hard thing that ended up happening was, um, you know, a couple of years later, someone I was very close with um, on, you know, on my bus route, I, I think it was bus 12, I, you know, I rode to school every day. And someone who I used to sit with every day at the front of the bus or sometimes in the middle of the bus, ended up passing away he took his own life and um there's a lot of people there's a lot of people out there who lose people um and they you know it's really hard and grief is something that it's so difficult especially as a young person to even figure out like how to you know cope with that but um i felt responsible for this one because i was you know you think of middle school relationships they're not that serious but i was i was in a middle school relationship with someone and I didn't want, you know, I was, it was, you know, you know how they last like a couple months and we ended mm-hmm. up quote unquote breaking up. And, you know, my, my, one of my good friends, um, the one who ended up taking his life, he, you know, he asked me one day, he's like, Hey man, I have a, I have a crush on, you know, your ex and, and he's so mature <laughs> in middle school to even have, <laughs> to even have had this conversation. But he's like, Hey, I have a crush. I have a crush on your ex and I, I would love to ask her out, but I don't want to do anything that would hurt you. And I was like, bro, man, like, I don't have feelings for her. Go do it, man. Do what you got to do. And he did so. She ended up saying no. And the next day, he ended up taking his own life. So it was kind of oh, like wow. I, I felt responsible for that, even though I know, like, while looking back on it, there were so many other factors that led up to him kind of just, you know, his how his home life, his everything life all the way up until that point. But I, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't cope with that. It destroyed me. And as, you know, a teenager, it was just like so overwhelming. And mm-hmm. a lot of, we grew up in a very small school. 
And it, it didn't only influence me, it influenced our, you know, my entire social network, so to speak. Everyone was destroyed because it's so young. You know, when people pass away and it's tragic, that's crazy. But when someone takes their own life, that's insane to, con- to, con- to really conceive that as, you know, a young, a young person. Mm-hmm. So um, that, was, that, was, that was a struggle. And that was something that really, you know, that turned me on to hanging with the wrong people. And I don't know how, but it was the start. It was kind of like what initiated me hanging out with people who, who did drugs, who drank, and who were just in that party scene, so to speak. And I kind of stayed in that scene all the way up till um, senior year. And between, between, you know, middle school and senior year of high school, there was um, there was a lot of like a lot of drama. Um, there was just a lot of drama in the meantime, and there was just you know things that should have should have you know stopped me from from you know any kind of success or any kind of perseverance of any achievement of any sort. But I you know I kind of kept trucking through it, and um, mentally, spiritually emotionally i was empty but at this time 12th you know 12th grade of high school i was totally empty i was like i was like a freaking haunted house with cobwebs and and cockroaches running around like crazy like it was just there was nothing good inside of me and i was just this you know person on autopilot now i still at the at the time like i recollect i loved people i loved being around people um i was you know i was a stage actor so i was finding a lot of um, joy in that creative outlet being, you know, as a stage actor from ninth grade to 12th grade. Um, that's where I kind of, that was my outlet. That was how, where I was able to express myself, um, he, you know, bring joy to other people. And, um, but it wasn't until, it wasn't until my senior year of high school that the biggest thing changed within me. And, this is actually, it's just an, an absolutely crazy story. How much time do we have, Jerry? Oh, go ahead, Tony. Just keep going. We, we really are. I really wanted to you to kind of share more about this because this is important for, I think, yeah. so many of the listeners. So go ahead. Awesome. All right, cool. So, um, yeah, it was actually the end of senior year. And um, every, every school does their own thing. But our school, we, you know, for our senior trip, you know, you, you go away senior week. Um, we went to the beach. We went to Ocean City, Maryland. And, um, mind you, just as a reminder, I'm with the wrong crowd. I'm just with the party scene. And I call it the wrong crowd. Um, I'll explain the wrong, the whole wrong crowd stuff later, but, um, yeah, I'm just like with the party scene, I'm just on autopilot. Life is a party. Life is a movie. This is crazy. You know, like I'm in that mindset and, but just as a reminder, like I'm empty inside, you know, there's no, there's, there's no meaning. Um, there's no purpose. Um, it's just, there's just emptiness. And I was down there for, I, I don't know if it was a couple of days or a few days, but, um, you know, somewhere in the middle of the week that I was down there, um, I was walking with my best friend, um, my, you know, who was my best friend, who, who was my best man at my wedding. His name's Eric. I was walking with Eric and our mutual friend, um, Kim, and we were walking on the sidewalk and n- nothing special was happening. Nothing, you know, triggered this, you know, nothing like was, was like, crazy in that moment right it's not like we were um we weren't all jacked up it was like it was it was like towards the end of the day so we were trying to like think of plans for the evening so i'm uh, like the way i recollect it is i was completely sober at the time and um we're just walking we're just talking and out of nowhere like a freight train 
like a linebacker on the NFL, you know, the NFL's best team, I get pummeled and slammed to the ground out of nowhere, thin air, no physical object in the air hit me, but I smacked down to the ground. Now I kind of like shook my head and like lifted, I like sat up because I was laying down on my back and I sat up and everyone was gone. I was with Eric and Kim, they were gone. And I couldn't really comprehend what was happening. And I sat up and I didn't move, but I sat up and I looked around and then I looked up toward the sky and the sky was so incredibly magnificent that I was locked on hypnotized. I was mesmerized by the sky and how the sky looked. And it was, it was, it was incredibly gorgeous. It was incredibly beautiful. It was artistic. It was as if the beautiful, the most tilled, the, the most skilled and talented, you know, artist painted this gorgeous portrait of this sunset sky. And I'm just staring at it. And before I could even realize it, I realized that I was no longer even in my body. My soul was being levitated toward the sky. And at that very second that I realized that, I said to myself, I could just think these thoughts. They were just appearing. I said to myself, did I just die? Am I dead? Am I going to heaven? Those were the thoughts that, that started popping up. I was so confused. And out of nowhere... Out of nowhere, a very, very clear as day voice was just pierced through my soul and said, look at yourself. Look at you. Look at what you've become. And like I said, I was, I, this experience was, was nothing like the physical, nothing like you can comprehend in the physical. And so I could feel what I could only describe as myself crying, but I could not, exp I wasn't physically there to, to know what that was, what that was. It's, I'm kind of speechless in how to even describe it. But, um, but I knew immediately after the voice started that it was, it was the creator of the universe. It was God. And he was, he was so angry and it wasn't like he was angry. Like he was mad. He was angry, like disappointed. And, uh, he was just sad. I could feel it in his voice. And he said, I could take you right now, right now. And you will leave your family and your friends forever unable to recover from your passing. I could take you right now. And, and he didn't even go on because I'm pretty sure I was trying to shout like the loudest I possibly could. Like, no, I don't want to do that. No, no. And then he, he carried on and said, if I, if, I, if I send you back to earth, you have two choices. You either go back to the house that you're staying at and your life will forever be hanging around those people doing those activities and full of lifeness, lifelessness. Or you go back and you go straight to Bryn. Bryn is my now current wife who mm -hmm. we're expecting, we're expecting our first child. And I didn't even, there wasn't even a second in between after he finished that second option that he must've just known what I picked and straight zoomed, warped me back into my body. 
And Bryn was actually down at Ocean City, Maryland with her friend group as well. They were 100 blocks away, totally different side of, of Ocean City, Maryland, but they were there. And I, you know, I warped back into my body to my, my best friend, Eric, shaking me uncontrollably because he thought I'd passed out. And he's trying to wake me up. He's slapping my face. He's shaking me. He's like, Tony, bro, what? Oh, Tony, are you okay, bro? Oh, my God, let's get you home. And I'm speechless, right? I, haven't, uh-huh. I, I wasn't able to speak a word. I couldn't fathom what just happened. And they were making fun of me. Kim and Eric were making fun of me. They thought I was dehydrated, whatever, and that I just passed out and I was a loser, whatever. And they started recording me. And I have this video on my hard drive of them walking me back. And you, once the camera goes to my face, it looks like I saw a ghost. It looks like I, my, I look pale from how in shock I was. And I didn't speak a word. I went straight back to the house. I, you know, I, I might've grabbed a, tr- I don't even, I don't even think I might not have went back to the house, but if I did grab anything, I grabbed some stuff and then I ran 100 blocks to where Bryn's house was. I told her we had to just be with each other. I had no idea why, but that we had to be with each other. And our relationship was, we, we were at the inception of our relationship still. You know, I had just recently asked her to prom that senior year. We started hanging out way more and more. We were, we were way closer than we've ever been our entire life because, you know, we grew up with one another um, since first grade. But I never saw, at that point, I had no idea that she was my soulmate. But that second changed my life on how I perceive things. And God really was saying, you better turn your life around. And I'm going to use this individual. I'm going to use Bryn Weller, her maiden name's Weller. I'm going to use her to change you, to make you better, to make you grounded, and to, to help you become an individual who will also go to change other individuals. I didn't know that at the time. I can see that now. But at the time, I just, you know, I went to Bryn. We sat on a dock and we hang out. We were, we, you know, we just hung out the rest of the night. And I'm pretty sure I was speechless the whole night. I don't think I was able to really, you know, describe what the heck just happened to me. But that was the first time in my entire life that God spoke to me. If he spoke to me any other time, I wasn't listening and I didn't hear it. But that was the first time It was such a rude awakening that he spoke to me and that my life isn't a story where all cold turkey, everything changed and my life was great ever since that moment. It was actually, you know, it was terrible up and down from that moment. But from that moment on, I had a conscious awareness that God was there with me and that he was rooting for me. And so, um, you know, fast forward to today, so much stuff has changed since then. um, But he used, he used, um, you know, myself, after I decided to grow in my faith in Christ, he used me to bring my family together. My family had been broken for 20 years since the passing of my aunt. And um, I was the individual who started one by one, you know, hanging out with them, talking to them, you know, getting to know them on a deeper level and really understanding who they are. And then one by one, inviting them to gatherings, getting them around each other and showing them love showing them what family is and you know fast forward i think i i have a photo of it i I think it was either last easter or the easter beforehand it's only two been two years since all this has happened um but last easter the easter beforehand i had i believe it was easter i had a photo of my entire family that had been broken 
for 20 years, all sitting around the same dinner table, eating food, laughing, smiling, hanging out. And I took that photo and I just cried. I'm like, this is incredible. Like the fact that everyone's here right now is just incredible to me. And um, so, I mean, life right now is like, we still have our ups and downs. We, but, you know, as a family, everyone's trying to work together. You know, we all have big personalities. We try to we try to, you know, follow, you know, common objectives and, and work as a family. But but what's here that wasn't here in the past is love, you know, that love that that that, you know, is grounded in Christ. And um, yeah, that, you know, that's kind of how what, what led us here today. And ever since, you know, for the past you've passed like 2015 to now, I've been really heavily career focused, career driven. And I've made a lot of great relationships with, you know, with friends and with, with partners and, and, um, you know, creatives who like working together. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, I feel like God has really, really done good by shaping, you know, create, changing me from this empty, lifeless, purposeless individual to someone who can help others, who can help others feel love, feel desire, feel strive, feel that, you know, that, that, you know, like that, that drive to go go do things greater than yourself because I, I what I what I look back and realize is you know with depression and I, I, I do feel like I was really struggling heavily with depression um, with depression you actually lose touch with reality and that's that's with others around you so a lot of people don't know this but when you're depressed the fastest way to get out of that rut is to go help others and to go serve others and um, in around 2015, I was, you know, you know, that, that experience with God happened to me, you know, the end of 2015, 2015 to 16, you know, I, I attended my first church service at, you know, a local church down the road for me. And he, he surrounded me with, you know, love, you know, you know, Christ, Christ, uh, loving individuals. And, um, you know, that really taught me how to serve others without wanting to help myself. When you go to help others without expecting anything else out of it you really find joy you find pure joy and christ walked this earth he served this earth and he just served everyone he served mankind and i think that's the that's the sole thing that any individual who's suffering with anything depression anxiety nervousness um purposelessness um anything really i believe anything can be solved by solving you know what's what's hurting in your soul and your spirit and and it's by serving others, by helping others. And it, it takes dedication. It doesn't feel right all the time. Sometimes you feel like, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I giving my time? I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go help others right now. It's just serving. I'm not being paid for it. I can skip this. I don't have to do this. No one's going to die if I don't do this. That's all kind of a lie that we tell ourselves because we actually have no idea how impactful our our individual actions can be for others, how impactful they'll end up being and helping one person that'll help two people that'll help 10 guys that'll help 50 families that'll help thousands of communities that'll help the whole world. We actually can never conceive it. We probably won't ever be able to on earth. But what I can say is, you know, you serve others, you serve others and you'll, you'll find joy real fast. You'll find purpose real fast. And God will continue to move you and surround you with positive individuals who want to help you as well. And, you know, life's only up from there. It has some downs, has challenges, but it gets a whole lot easier when you, when you realize that, you know, the point of life is to help others and not really focus on yourself. I love that, Tony. And, you know, the, 
most important thing, not only that you mentioned outside of your spiritual walk, which are higher powers, you understand him to be God. But the one thing I love the most about it is that you shared about the triumphs and also a lot of the negative things that we experience from early childhood or even in our adulthood. It's, it's hard to really understand what your purpose might be. And I mm-hmm. think like uh, for you, one thing when I heard you talking, the first thing that came to mind to me is like, he would be great as a life coach or a motivational speaker or mm-hmm. even being able to start your own podcast. Cause I feel like you have such a great story and you have a way of connecting with anyone and being able to share, this is what I've been able to go through. And this is how I find happiness, even in the weak moments or in my toughest times, I can still find, you know, solace in myself. And that's what I loved about your TikTok videos and stuff. And most times we think of that, <laughs> you see all kind of things online, but I think like people can find joy and Hey, this guy is portraying this character. And that's kind of how a lot of people have survived for so long is being able to put on a facade or a mask, mm-hmm. but underneath the mask, when you really get to know someone and understand their journey and what it took for them to get to where they are, mm-hmm. that's when you really make a genuine connection. And like you said, altruistic things, like you said, doing things for other people like benevolence funds and doing volunteer work mm-hmm. and actually giving of yourself, that is a way for you to pay it forward. And like I said, you never know what blessings or positive things are going to be around the corner. And I always, my grandmother used to always say, you never have a testimony without a test. Mm-hmm. So you're going to, you're going to go through challenges and you're going to experience things that may or may not um, be things that you expected to go through. But when people actually spend time with you and they most times people want your energy and not just your time so if you're giving off great energy then people can actually connect and say hey i like tony for what he's giving instead of i like tony for what he's given me and i think like a lot of times most times people want handouts or want things given when there's you know too much is given you there's much that you're going to be required to do in your life and so for you tony that's one thing i love about the platform that you do have and I'm grateful to be a part of your journey and that I can share your story with other people. And of course we'll be keeping in contact and having other episodes in the future. But I love that in this part that we were able to talk directly about you and then people can understand, Hey, this is what led this guy to being where he is. And congratulations as well. With your new baby on, on the way. I'm so happy for you guys. (laughs) That is amazing. And I'm so happy for you guys because you know, it's another addition. It's another way. And you can actually teach him things and show your your family, you know, what I went through and what your parents went through trying to make a better life for you. Now you'll know what, what it takes to be that father that, that your kids will need when you have more kids and have more things going on in your life. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to know why you're paying it forward. And it's not just about you. But it's about what other people, when they're around you, what they actually can take away from. And I, I love that about just what you shared with us today, because now we can really get a true feeling of who and what you're made of and, and how we persevere, even through the toughest times. Um, I had one of my best friends um, was murdered. Um, I'll never forget that experience. Um, he was very young and it had like a gang that was being initiated um, not too far from where I lived. And I was walking Ashley down one side of the street and I would always walk in different areas to go home. And this was the one time I felt like something was telling me, do not go down the street. Mm. So we had kind of talked and I was like, I'll see you later. And I went down another street. He went down another way. And the gang went through that, that actual street that I normally walk and I didn't. 
and he ended up being murdered. And it just was something I will never forget the look on his mother's face and how she just kept asking why and why. And I, I didn't understand. And, and I just kept saying, how did I get through this? How am I going to move past this? And you just never forget those experiences, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a term that's called survivor's guilt. And a lot of times people struggle with that of how do I move forward? And when we think of the stages of grief, um, there's five stages by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, but recently there's a six stage called meaning. And when I think of meaning, that can mean a lot of different things. Dr. David Kessler um, came up with that. And that just shows you of how life shifts for many of us. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the hardest things, losing my best friend, but also realizing that, you know, life is going to continue to move forward and I can either allow it to affect me in a negative way and not move in a positive direction, or I can actually use his light, his story, his, his experience and, and push forward and give people, you know, an opportunity to know that just because he passed away and died in that moment does not mean that his life and his legacy won't live on through the people that he touched. And that kind mm-hmm. of goes into that ripple effect, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that you are giving us in this moment is a, a huge ripple. And the one thing I love about ripples is that they can continue on as long as the raindrops that are falling and tears are not all, all the time a negative thing. It's a way of you actually emoting and expressing things from within. But the more you see ripples, then people are connecting. And that's a way for them to say, I want to be around Tony because he creates a positive ripple instead of people Mm -hmm. wanting to repel away from you because of what you either don't give or what you do give in a negative Mm -hmm. sense. So we really appreciate you, Tony, for sharing that story with us. Yeah, man. Yeah. Heck yeah. Absolutely. And and like I said, Tony, definitely we'll have you back very soon. And I, I know you just released another video. I want to kind (laughs) of end on a light note because I thought that was just so funny. I was like, now, Tony has, like, a big following now, and people are, like, when they see him, they're going to be like, oh, my God, that's the guy from TikTok again. But it was it, – I'm telling you, that is, you don't understand how much that makes people laugh. And when we're having rough days, especially since COVID-19 and so many different variants that are going around right now, and um, and I just want us to remember that it's important for us to have fun and laugh. Yep, and, yep, and yep. I thought that was just so funny. I'm like, he's back at it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, bro. I'm going to keep pumping them out. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, so you know I'm going to be there to like it, share it, tell people to, to, to be a part. Um, I don't have a TikTok, but I definitely see it on Instagram, and I share for people who do have TikToks. So I'm like, this is my friend Tony. He is so funny. You've got to watch this. And, and I just want the best for you moving forward. Everything that you touch, we just want it to be golden and be, make sure that it's going to move forward in a positive light, and we appreciate you being back. Heck yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Well, I appreciate you, sir. Oh, absolutely, Tony. And we will definitely have you back soon. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right, Tony, well, you have a great evening. And thank you so much for making time for me on this Labor Day. Rock on. Thanks for having me, Jerry. All right. Yes, sir. All right. Bye.
flowers, the flowers.